There are many sports podcasts out there, but only this one is right on. Today we talk about Tom Brady, his effects on and off the field in Tampa Bay, and his comparisons to Jameis Winston. I also have a chance to have a conversation with former Florida State, Buffalo Bill, Pittsburgh Steeler, and current Toronto Argonaut running back Carlos Williams. All that and more today on the very first ever Right On Sports Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the very first ever Right On Sports Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Wright, and I'm here with my co-host, Marcus Weisner, who's down in Tampa. Marcus, thank you so much for being a part of this, man. Hey, pleasure's mine, man. Appreciate you for having me as a co-host. I'm definitely excited to get this thing started. No doubt, no doubt. This is something that, uh, that's that been in the works for a couple months now. Um, man, I'm, I gotta tell you, I, we were supposed to launch last Monday, and... I was overwhelmed by the amount of work that actually had to be put into this. Yeah, it's it's um it's one of those things where you know it's a the initial part of starting anything takes a lot of time, and especially with everything you have to do on your own, you know, with work and take care of family, it's uh it can be overwhelming. But I'm definitely glad we're getting this thing started, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the future with it. No doubt, and what a show to get us started. Uh, but before we do get started, I want to say thank you to everybody who is listening. Uh, thank you to everybody who's going to listen. You guys have all been great and supportive. Uh, really, really excited that you guys are all a part of this journey with me as well. Uh, we're going to kick some ass, take some names, and uh, we're going to knock this thing out of the park together. Uh, before we really get going, though, I also want to shout out a couple sponsors that jumped onto this podcast. Marcus, these guys jumped on without hesitation. Well, as soon as they heard that we were launching a podcast, these guys were like, I want to be a part of it. I want to throw you some money. And it was like over, like emotionally overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like these guys believe in what we're going to do. Yeah, you can't thank them enough, um, especially for a starter, you know. It takes a while for even some people and some companies to get any sponsors and just for them to jump on it for the pilot and for day one, you know, definitely appreciate for all their help and support. No doubt. And to all you out of Panama City listeners, um, there, a couple of these guys are local, but I know that just about everybody that's going to listen to this has either been to Panama City Beach or wants to come to Panama City Beach at some point. So just make sure you listen out. Chef Chris at Bo's Restaurant on uh, 2304 Thomas Drive here in Panama City Beach. Absolutely fantastic food out there at Bo's. Their new hours are 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., Monday to Friday. Oh, man, Marcus, they just launched a breakfast menu. I know you can't try it down there in Tampa, but the biscuits and gravy are out of this world. You know that's my favorite thing to eat. Dude, I, I'm a... I'm a freak for biscuits and gravy, and they, they've they've got the best, to tell you the truth. I'm excited and, to come up one day and see how that is. Oh, you we'll we'll go there for the fantasy draft this year for sure. Um, if you want to call ahead your order there, they they do have an outside eating area, as uh, most restaurants in Florida now are able to open at 50% starting. Actually, I guess you're listening to this on Monday, so today. But uh, their phone number is 850-775-1828. Also want to throw a shout out to Chris at KNL Skaggs Heating and Air LLC. Guys, listen, summer is coming. Don't be the people that do not have air conditioning if you can help it. July, August, September, 
October, even man, we've had Christmas days here where I've had the AC at 68. Make sure you guys get everything fixed. Give them a call for all your comfort solutions at 850-238-5414. And our final shout out, but you'll hear more from her later on about halfway through the show. Uh, She's the only one of our sponsors that has cut an ad so far. So you two that are listening, Chef Chris and Chris, uh, Chris and Chris, I I didn't even realize that until just now. But you guys, uh, I'm going to need you guys to to step up and record some ads, you know, these guys to help me out, Marcus. Yeah. Especially with, you know, some people are always at HVAC, you know, that's a job that seems unappreciative. So definitely much appreciated for those HVAC folks in Florida. For sure. For sure. But, uh, Allie, she works with adventures with Allie for glass slipper concierge. She does, she specializes in trips to Disney and universal. So you'll hear more information on her later on. Make sure you're listening out. All right, Marcus, we have, we have a full agenda, but I want to tell the story. So we had three things planned to talk about today. And then of course, later on in the show, we have our interview with Carlos Williams coming up, but we started talking about this off the air the first, uh, on our first thing on the agenda with Tom Brady's effect in Tampa Bay on and off the field and just the difference between him and Jameis Winston, what Jameis Winston went through as a quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we started talking and dude, there was no way we were going to be able to cut this short. There's no way. Um, we honestly could turn a Tom Brady versus Jameis Winston and the effect that Tom Brady could have in Tampa on and off the field in its own segment. We really could into its own show. I mean, it's it's whole it's this whole thing. So let's get started. You live down in the Tampa area. Tom Brady's effect off the field for the city of Tampa. So let's start with the fact that the city of Tampa here, um, as of right now, I'm pretty sure they believe that they're planning for the uh, Super Bowl to happen, um, not only for them to host it, but to win it. Um, uh, right before that Brady actually officially signed with the Buccaneers, um, the season ticket sales skyrocketed to where the, the pre, uh, pre-sales the pre-orders were as high as 6,000 people. Um, they increased even the um, nosebleed seats uh, about $130 extra. So they're definitely prepared to get a lot of revenue for Tom Brady here. And on top of that, too, uh, Tom Brady's right as of right now is the third most sold jersey behind Tua's home and away jersey. And Shout uh, out to them Dolphins, by the way. I hate to cut you off, but go Dolphins. Right, right. And then on top of that, too, as of right now, officially, this is not including to see, you know, down this, you know, to be determined times. But right now, Tampa has four primetime games in Sunday night football and Monday night football. Most games in the last couple of years have been 12 o'clock games. And if you've ever been to a Tampa game at 12 o'clock in September, October, nobody wants to do that oh, at miserable. all. In the town hype, I'm telling you, like. There's a lot of people that are wearing Buccaneers gear. It feels like they're proud. It's like they have something to support again. It's almost as if, you know, the, it's the same people that are proudly representing the, the Tampa Bay Lightning and some, occasionally the, the Rays down here. So it's a good atmosphere. You can definitely tell there's a lot of Bucks fans that are excited about this season. I mean, how can you not be excited about this guy coming down there? And we're going to get more into the on-the-field stuff. But just right now, like just a matinee idol coming to the city of Tampa. A, really a city that has struggled since i mean what the tampa bay lightning won the stanley cup in 2004 i think that's the last championship that city's gotten and the closest they've gotten was in like 2008 when usf was undefeated and like number two in the nation for two weeks yeah and then the rays lost in the world series against the phillies i believe in 2008 so it's been a long time and then i think the last super bowl that tampa bay bucks had was in 2002 and that was just a 
absolutely powerhouse defense that, that carried them to the Super Bowl. But this year, you know, with with Tom Brady and then you got Rob Gronkowski coming, you still got the two 1,000-plus yard receivers of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And then they drafted 13th overall, Tristan Wirfs. And then you obviously got the quarterback guru, you know, one of the greatest coaches in Bruce Arians. This is going to be a fun team to watch, an absolute fun team. No doubt, no doubt. It's going to be a lot of fun. The one thing that we were talking about is the run game in Tampa. All right, so Ronald Jones last year was not very impressive. I think they've done this whole committee thing with is it Ronald Jones and uh, is it Peyton Barber? Is that his name? Correct. You would think I would know that since I have a podcast. But they, they've they've had no running game for oh man since maybe Doug Martin's early years when he had when he had a couple good years and they they did not do much to beef up what I think is the weakest part of their team at the offensive line position. I know Tristan Wirfs was good. And I know they went out and got a couple other guys, but Marcus Jameis Winston got sacked forty seven times last year. Yeah, I, and on top of that too, he was also uh, blitzed most against defenses in the entire NFL with 241. See, that's so, that's the number that worries me a little bit. And I know that, listen, we're, we're not stupid here, all right? And I'm a big – I'm a Florida State fan, so obviously I have a soft place in my heart for Jameis Winston. Uh, Jameis was absolutely awful at times. I'm not salty about Jameis losing his job. Let's go ahead and get that out of the air because if you had to – even if you had to ask me right now, Kyle on the Dolphins, do you want 26-year-old Jameis Winston – or 43-year-old Tom Brady. I'm without hesitating, I'm going to take Tom Brady. But I worry about Tom Brady's ability to stay healthy in this atmosphere. Because like you uh you pulled up another number that was very important to me and I'm going to let you plug this for a second. They both had two and a half seconds in the pocket. Correct. So the two and a half, two point five seconds was either the time that they release a ball from the snap count or when the pocket actually collapsed. So that number scares me because the the system in New England was designed to get the ball out quick. It's not designed like that in Tampa Bay. Now I know this. There's a whole new system change probably coming in. I, I don't. Did Byron Leftwich get fired or is he still there? Nope, he's still the offensive coordinator. Actually, I remember when he uh, accidentally went into another individual's house. The house that he was actually supposed to go into was Byron Leftwich. Okay, that's right. So Byron Leftwich is still there. So I, I assume there's no major system change coming, especially with no offseason. No, no, I mean, at least to this point, no offseason workouts, no OTAs, anything. And I don't see us getting anything like that in the foreseeable future. But I, I don't know, Marcus. I, if, he, if Tom Brady at 43 years old gets sacked 47 times, this is not going to be good. No, especially, um, you know, last year Brady was sacked 27 times and he was, you know, he was a blitz 198 and you know, his mobile ability is nothing. I mean, if you even put him in comparison to Jameis Winston, he's still slow. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, in Tampa, Bruce Arians, you know, runs a all out, you know, he likes people to take chances and stuff. Tom, Tom Brady's not going to do that. He's not going to, he's going to, you know, be secure. That's why, you know, one of his favorite targets is always Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski, which he does get Gronk. He does get Gronk back, which adds just a whole different element to this whole thing. But we're going to get more into the weapons here in a little bit. Um, the running game. This is something else that just kind of gets me a little bit. They had 
J.K. Dobbins sitting in their lap in the draft. They had Cam Akers sitting in their lap. They could have they could have got DeAndre Swift in the first round. They did not go get a running back. They didn't sign one in free agency. They're still. I mean, they had a chance to get Melvin Gordon. I don't know what happened there, uh, which I think would have the Super Bowl talk. I think if they would have signed Melvin Gordon, that that would have completely put them into the real conversation. But um, they had a chance to go get Devontae Freeman, who is still a free agent, by the way. So that's still TBD. I think he would do good there. But as of right now, it's still the Ronald Jones party. And I, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I think that what Tampa is doing, especially with Brady under center, they don't need a, a high volume, you know, a powerhouse back. They just need a pass catching back back there. And you don't have to have, let me look what they did with the New England. They didn't have any high prolific profile running back. The highest prolific running back they had was Sonny Michelle. And even then, he didn't really, he wasn't even the, the primary back throughout the whole year. You know, he had injuries and things like that. So, I think that, you know, as long as they can have a back back there, whether it's, you know, on the roster now or they get, you know, Devontae Freeman or anybody else, as long as somebody can catch the ball and do an occasional pass protection, they they should be fine. I don't see them having any issues with that because Brady's never really had a great, great running back in his career. That's that's true. I mean, I guess he, uh, for a couple of years, he had LeGarrette Blunt and I mean, I, I I get that he wasn't LeGarrette Blunt, but that dude was the Super Bowl magnet for for a few minutes, you know. Correct. Yeah, LeGarrette Blunt was like that goal line guy. You know, he was like a Marshawn Lynch. You know, if you're two three yards away, everybody knows where that ball's going. I but one good thing about Ronald Jones, he did have 31 catches last year. So I mean, yeah. that's that's a pretty good number that kind of maybe shifts my mind here a little bit thinking about everything like that because he's going to be able to dump the ball out of the backfield. Maybe Ronald Jones might not be the best runner, which I do think they need to figure out. They, they're going to need a running back as Tom Brady's not going to throw the ball. How many times did Jameis throw the ball last year? 600-something? He was um, tied first in attempts with 626. Mm. Tom Brady's not going to throw the ball 626 times. No, I don't anticipate it. I mean, that's a possibility. He threw 613 times last year in New England. So there is a big possibility he could. It's just a matter of if Bruce Arians is going to uh, change his offense to adapt to Brady's playing style that he's had for 20 years, or if they're just going to kind of coexist and kind of come up with their own system. Because you got to think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, they're not, they haven't been known for, you know, getting those three yard slants or, you know, five and outs. They, I mean, you've seen Jameis throw the ball, you know, 40, 45 yards, and they're down there scoring touchdowns with that. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do this year. Jameis Winston was actually one of the best deep passers in the NFL last year, and that's that's Mike Evans' whole game. I mean, it, it seems like since he was at Texas A&M, Mike Evans has been deep or die. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the stats for 2019 – Winston actually was number one in the league with completed air yards, and that's the yards traveled in air before the pass was caught with 3,249. <laughs> and it literally obliterated everybody. I think the closest one was Dak Prescott, and he was like he was like 400 yards behind him. And Tom Brady was 2,233, and he was ninth. So it's a massive difference. You got to think with the wide receivers that both had. I think the average height for like the receivers that Brady had in New England was like 5'9". So that's pretty wild. That's a, that's a wild number. But do you remember the last time that Tom Brady had a true number one receiver? Randy Moss. It was, it was that season with Randy Moss. 
And so he now, absolutely obliterated every record. Yeah, he did, dude. He threw 50 touchdowns that year. He threw, I think he threw for over 5,000 yards that year, if I'm not mistaken. I, he, I, he had over 5,000, he had 50, and then and then Randy Moss had the most touchdowns broken as a wide receiver that year, I believe, with 23. Okay, so that was 2007. Tom Brady threw for 4,800 yards that year, 50 touchdowns. So, yep, we were very close. Wow. Just so unbelievable. And I know it's... I know it's been 13 years, but now you've got Mike Evans, who is a true number one wide receiver. I think he's a little inconsistent, but I do like Mike Evans. And you have Chris Godwin, who would be who he would be a number one wide receiver on about 15 to 20 NFL teams right now. There would be a lot of teams who are going to who are going to overpay him when his time comes. So Tampa better be ready to pay out for him. Oh man, that that's the um they they have to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Pretty much. Do you remember no when the Rams a couple years ago just went all out to sign guys now? Like they went out and they got Clay Matthews. They went and got an Indomitian Sue to go with Aaron Donald on the defensive line. Then they went and they got Brandon Cooks and they and Robert Woods, of course, who is still there and benefiting from this whole thing. They went all out to, to win the Super Bowl. And it wasn't a complete failure. Even though they didn't win it, they did get there. Yeah, but it was one of those things of was it worth it? I mean, a lot of teams would die just to get to the NFC Championship game. I mean, the I, one that's so, literally going to hold your breath on is the fact that they pay, they overpaid for Todd Gurley, and now he's not even there anymore. And they're still paying him. Oh yeah, or they have to at least in the next what two two weeks. That's a that's a different conversation for a different episode. I I'm really I really do want to talk about that one day too. Absolutely. But going back to it, man, you know, we were talking last night and I want to give you the floor here for a minute because you're kind of the numbers guy here. We we were looking at everything. We watched the video of every single Jameis Winston interception that he threw last year. And there were some really bad passes in this. All right. That like Jameis was there were times where you just scratch your head and you're like, dude, what is going on? But then you look at some of them and there's tipped passes, passes that should have been caught by the receiver. Receivers yeah. running the wrong route, and even a couple like where Jameis had maybe a, a half a second to get the ball out. So I want you to crunch some numbers here because when we were looking at this, all of this put together, we kind of we didn't really look at each other because we were on the phone. But there was that pause, and we were like, "Wow, maybe Jameis wasn't so bad." No, I mean, but he really was. Like if you're looking at numbers. You know, everybody thinks that numbers, you know, numbers don't lie, especially when we're always comparing greats and always comparing people how their season went MVP numbers. If you look at what Jameis did versus what Tom Brady did last year, they're quite similar. I mean, they really are. Um, you know, Brady was fourth in attempted passes, Jameis was tied for first. Brady was seventh, Jameis was fourth. Even on target percentage, this is not including, you know, spikes and throwaways, you know, out of bounds. Tom Brady had, was 73.2%. He was 22nd in the league. Jameis Winston was 69.9. He was dead last for starters. So, and then you and then you go on to the fact of play action attempts. Jameis had 107. Brady had 126. That's uh, you know 18th and 11th. And then on that on those play action attempts that uh, Jameis had uh, on 107, he was 1,133. He was first in the league, and Brady was 980. So pretty much every completed pass that Jameis did on play action was a guaranteed first down. Kind of crazy to think about like that too, because you know as well as I do, play action does not work without a good running game. I mean, just look at look at when Ryan Tannehill took over in Tennessee 
and Derrick Henry finally got going in the second half of the season. The Tennessee Titans play action game was just, it was unstoppable. Yeah. And that's because they have like, when you have a Derrick Henry, like they, that's, that's going to be their focus. It's same thing with Dallas. You know, everybody's going to focus on Zeke. They want Dak Prescott to throw the ball here in Tampa. I mean, they know Tom Brady's going to throw the ball, but it's a matter of how do you stop that? He's been doing it so good for, that's why he's been in the league for 20, 21 years now. I just I just wanted to point it out because Jameis to put up those numbers on play action with not even a combined eight a thousand yards and rushing yards last year I don't think all right so I actually put out fake information Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber they combined for just under twelve hundred yards last year so I mean it could have been better it could have been worse. Ronald Jones averaged 4.2 uh, 4. yards per carry. Peyton Barber with 3.1. But that's – I don't know. Th- those aren't numbers that stick out to me. I really – I just I'm – I'm impressed that he was able to put up those kind of numbers with play action with virtually no running game. Exactly. I mean, they basically defenses didn't even pose him as a threat. You know, four, three, four yards a carry is not going to do it. You start hitting five and six or, you know, making big plays where defenses respect you, then you're going to see some better numbers from that. No doubt. You said you had something for me that was going to shock me. So, every you know, there's a lot of people who assumed that the Tampa Bay offensive line was, you know, mediocre at best. These numbers respons- are solely responsible for the individuals. Now, when you combine the the starters from last year, total, they had 13 sacks that they were solely responsible for between the starters last year for a total of 86 yards. So that said, there were the other 34 sacks that Jameis Winston occurred were because of his doing, not because of anything else that the line line did. That was because of something that he caused. Uh, You know, if the pocket collapsed and he didn't move or he rolled out to the outside or he just took too long, that was his responsibility. But the offensive line stats showed that they allowed a total of 13 sacks for 86 yards. It's it's mind-boggling. And I'll tell you what's going through my head. It almost it almost leaves me speechless, which is really, really weird for me. But, oh man, you got me here. So it's weird to imagine a guy that threw 30 interceptions at times was holding the ball too long. And the offensive line only allowed 15 penalties all season. That's, oh, that's one impressive. penalty a game. One penalty a game. That's impressive. So as far as the discipline goes, with Brady under center, if they can do that and have Tristan Wurst, day one starter is projected on the right side, you know, Ryan Jensen is, is rated um, the fifth best center in the league as of right now. So if they continue to keep that discipline, that number is going to even drop even more. And that's going to that's, that's be great. They might be a top 10 you know, offensive line by the end of next year. I can see it. I can see it. And I'm I'm really excited to see how all this goes down. Uh, I'm not going to put any – I don't want to put any bad juju on this whole thing, but hopefully it goes down. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But, oh man, I'm just so excited to see it. So let me ask you this. Realistically, and eventually we're going to do a uh, we're going to do a full schedule breakdown for each team. Um, I'll explain how that works to you off the air. But eventually we're going to do a full schedule breakdown. But right now, outside looking in, without looking at the schedule, your realistic expectation for year one of the Tom Brady 
I'm not going to say era because it's only going to be two years at the most. The Tom Brady stint in Tampa Bay, year one. Uh, if they don't get at least 10 and 6, this season is a failure. A and failure. In order for them to be successful year one, one of their wins has to be against the Saints because that could very well dictate being a division winner or a wild card. They have to beat the Saints at least one time. And it, it can't be in this it can't be in the Superdome. That good luck with that. It has to be in Tampa. I actually like that take a lot. And I'm I'm on the same track with you there, dude. Honestly. Um if they don't make the playoffs, the whole thing's a wash. Yeah, the whole thing is is a, it'll be a disaster at that point. Tom Brady doesn't really know what it feels like to have a non-winning season, right? And all all respect to my Dolphins, um, to what they deserve over the last twenty years, not much, but he also has not had to play in a competitive division at any point. That's that's very true. This division is going to include, I mean, the Falcons who got way better this offseason, whether you like it or not. Well, um, and, and to stop you on the Falcons for a second, the, the Atlanta Falcons are that Dan Quinn's going to be coaching for his job this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Matt Ryan is coming out with a chip on his shoulder. They're going to be healthy because of, because of this layoff. I mean, th- if there's anything positive to pull from this, you're going to get a healthy Julio. You're going to get a healthy Calvin Ridley. I mean, losing Austin Hooper is definitely going to hurt a lot, but you're going to get a healthy Todd Gurley too. And well, and, well they also – sorry to cut you off, Kyle, but they also no, traded for Hayden Hurst, who was a who was a um, who was drafted by the That's Ravens right. a couple years ago, and he was a good player until Mark Andrews came out of nowhere and basically became a Pro Bowl tight end. Mark Andrews, he was that dude in Oklahoma, though. I mean, we just I kind of figured he was going to be that guy. He was that guy that people draft into fantasy and was like, who? Right, exactly, and it worked out. But anyway, just going back to it, the Fal- so the Falcons, just because they had a bad year last year, they could I mean, they could sneak around and win this division this year because they're the team that nobody's talking about. So then you go to Carolina, who has the absolute best hands-down utility player in the NFL, one of the best that we've ever seen, if not the best, with Christian McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, a couple other key offseason additions they lost a lot on defense but they're they're going to be that team that can come out and hit you in the mouth they're going to win five six seven games but they're they're a hard-hitting team man yeah i they very well could be um their expectation is honestly is around the league is they're going to be the worst team this year um you know especially with teddy under center nothing you know disrespecting teddy bridgewater but if something ever happened to him i mean they're You've got Will Greer back behind you, and when Cam went down, we saw what that happened. It was a nightmare. Um, you got a new, you got a new head coach who just came from Baylor. Um, it's going to be a new system. Um, Luke Keekley retired, so that defensive core, it's going to be. Whew. And they lost Jerry McCoy too in the offseason. He signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Yep, so, I am. Uh, I am exa- excited to see what Joe Brady can do there, though. Yeah, that's that's going to be pretty interesting to see he's an offensive guru but then of course we got to go to the new orleans saints who have been just you can't see my fingers obviously because it's a podcast but that just this close and it seems like it always it's it's always on something like two years to the vikings and one year to the rams they're in my opinion and i mean and everybody's uh i don't think everybody would agree with this opinion at all 
but they are three plays away from having four Super Bowls. It's just mind. It's it really is mind blowing. Um, and I feel bad for Drew Brees. As a side note, do you know that Drew Brees has never won an NFL MVP award? That's a never. that's robbery. That's robbery. Never. But the years that like he was so close, like you got to think that there was Patrick Mahomes, and then there was Peyton when he when he broke the record in Denver, and then you know he's got to go against Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, like. He's always been like that one level short. It's it's sad to think about, man, but you're right. It It is exactly that. But this is the division. This is what he's got to go against now. The, look at the quarterbacks in that division. And I know we already named them, but for time's sake, I'm going to do it anyway. Jameis Winston, Drew Brees. That's on the same team, by the way. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, potentially. We're not going to go there yet. We're not going to go there yet. But mm-hmm. we've we've heard some chatter that... You know, he's from the Atlanta area. Maybe Cam Newton signs to be the backup in Atlanta. But for now, we won't play hypotheticals. We'll just go Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater. That's that's the quarterback room and the, for the NFC South. You've got two of potentially the top ten. Well, you've got the greatest of all time. You've got a top five, top ten, depending on who you talk about quarterback in Drew Brees. Easily the most accurate quarterback. I mean, it's just disgusting how accurate that Drew Brees is. All right, guys, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, my one-on-one interview with Carlos Williams. So stay right here and listen to this ad from Adventures with Allie. Are you looking to add a little bit of magic to your life? If so, maybe I can help. Hi, my name is Allie Sutherland, and I am an authorized Disney vacation planner as well as a Universal Studios specialist with Glass Slipper Concierge. As a travel agent, I help my clients personalize and plan their magical vacations down to the tiniest details. Through extensive training, I'm equipped to book all Disney destinations, including Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, and more, as well as Universal Studios and Universal's Islands of Adventure. And the best part of it, my services are completely complimentary. If you're looking to plan your next happily ever after, you can reach me via email at Allie, A-L-L-Y, at glassflipperconcierge.com. Or you can direct message me via Facebook at Adventures with Allie, specializing in Disney destinations and more. It would be a great honor to assist you in your next adventure. And always remember, you got a friend in me. Before you get into this interview, I want to go ahead and give you a quick warning. The audio is not the best. We're working with what we have right now. We're a startup. Don't judge too hard. But sit back, relax, and enjoy this great conversation between Carlos Williams and I. All right, everybody, welcome back. As promised, I am on the line with former Florida State, Buffalo Bill, and Pittsburgh Steeler running back and current Toronto Argonaut running back, Carlos Williams. Carlos, thank you so much for being the guest, the very first guest on my inaugural podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I mean, it's a great honor um, to be a first of anything, especially on somebody's um, podcast like this you know we we we've got a great relationship from um, doing radio before so I mean just to be a part of this your first one is pretty cool so I want to say thank you uh, first and foremost oh man didn't even think twice about getting somebody else on it was it was Carlos from the beginning it was Carlos or bust <laughs> appreciate it thank you thank you thank you all right Car- Carlos obviously the whole world is shut down right now um, just a, a weird situation to be in what are you doing to keep yourself occupied? I know you got seven kids. I know you just got recently married, but I mean, I, so I'm sure you're staying busy. Um, actually, we just got back from visiting my family, going down to uh, Brandon, where my two older siblings live. 
Uh, my brother is an occupational therapist out of Clearwater, and my sister's a childhood nurse now. She just got relocated from D.C. down to um, South Florida, so she's working down there. But we just went down there to visit um, and just had a good time, relaxed, you know, being in Tallahassee. You know, my wife's family's here, so we spent a lot of time with them. So just uh, my birthday was, what, two Mondays ago, so we just got to go down there for the weekend, spend some time with the family, and just really enjoy the company. Hey, your birthday is actually on the same day as our anniversary, so it's it's going to be easy to remember. Nice. See, you think of anniversary, you think of Carlos. Exactly. <laughs> and it's also Star Wars Day, so, I mean, how can you how can you forget about that? All right, so you're currently an active member of the CFL's Toronto Argonauts, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. But how is this affecting you as an active player on a new team, Your your prep, your mental mindset, and all that good stuff? It's difficult, um, honestly, because I've been away from ball so long. I, I'm going to have to get adjusted to a lot of new things. Um, I am recently married. My wife works for the state. Uh, my kids live here and her family's here. And my I have family and kids here in Florida. So leaving the state again as a whole is not a part of the plan. So i got to adjust to going to a new city and living by myself. And that's, that's not something that, I, that I'm going to be used to at first. But it is, and it's a total, I'm, I'm out of the state. It's not a jive or, you know, just a regular flight away, you know. Also, being in the cold constantly. I mean, it's freezing. Right. I mean, the season's going to be cold almost all season now. So you've got to go from being from Florida in the summer to going straight to being cold, you know, in Canada. So it's going to be a big shock. I mean, other than that, I mean, it's a new playbook, new scheme, new people, new field. I mean, new rules. I mean, you got to get used to it all, but, I mean, it's still a competitor. I mean, it's what I like to do. I mean, I wouldn't have signed up to do it if I if I didn't want to go compete. And I didn't want to be the best at it, you know, um, while I'm doing it. Absolutely. And there's a loaded backfield. Uh, for those listening that don't know, former NFL running back Bishop Sankey is also a part of that backfield. Are you excited to get to work with him? Yeah, I, I remember watching watching him uh, when he came out. Um, and then when he went to Tennessee, I got to watch him. And uh, he's explosive. Um, he's long, He got long, long speed. Um, I, I'm not sure how tall he is. I want to say about 220, 225, but he is explosive. Um, you know, I got to work with a lot of great backs who are my time in the NFL with LaShawn McCoy, um, Reggie Bush. I got to work with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, it's pretty crazy. I got to work with some of those fantastic backs with my short time in the NFL. But, it, I mean, again, a lot of experience. So just being around the other experienced backs, you get to pick off from their game and they pick off from yours and they kind of create that jello backfield. Um, Marcus Thigpen, who I played with in Buffalo, who was um, a, a vet that we had on special teams, he was a big vet and a big part of the offense. He was used in most ways. So having to rekindle that relationship and get back up, there's going to be something that I'm looking looking forward to. That's awesome, man. I'm really excited to see it all go down. So I want to go back to your college days for a few minutes here because, I was, as you know, I'm an avid Florida State fan. I don't hide that at all even though it's been a little bit more difficult the last couple of years. But like you said earlier, every team goes through it. But you you went to FSU at a very good time, three ACC championships, an Orange Bowl win, an appearance in the first-ever college football playoff. And who could forget, obviously, the national championship in National 13. or I'm sorry, ooh, in 2013. I'll have to edit that out. Um, I want to ask for your opinion. <laughs> hey, mistakes are made, baby. I might even just keep it in. <laughs> um, it's all right. It's all right. I, I want to ask for your opinion on where that 2013 Florida State ta- Florida State team ranks all time. I mean, Jalen Ramsey was just a true freshman. I think he was playing like safety linebacker hybrid at that point. Jalen came in 
I've never seen any. I mean, I got to play, and, and, and most guys that played in out of ball, I mean, they show a lot of respect, but I, I view football differently. I mean, I view football from a real fan perspective because I've played with so many great people, and I can break down their game, what I like about it so much. And with the attitude of, okay, I came in this way, I am this way, so you got to take me as I am. And play and play me wherever you see fit, or I'm gonna make plays wherever you wherever you see fit. Came in and played nickel Sam. They went to the corner, played safety, back the corner, and they was a top ten pick. I mean, he's one of, he's one of the best to ever do it. Wearing guard though. Then I had Greg Reed, who was who was the human the human playmaker. But then you had to shut that corner, Xavier Rose. And then when we lost Greg Reed, we had Nick Wason come and fill in, and he played lights out. That next year, you had Ronald Darby come in and P.J. Williams come in. It, those two young guys came in before Jalen got in. He played like uh, football. So, I mean, was, you had Terrence, Terrence Brooks, Lamarcus Jones. I mean, that, I was just talking about DBs alone, talking about rankings. And and, 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 and every guy named was on that defense room when that's a championship. That's just in the DB room alone. Besides Greg Reed, that was in the DB room alone. Imagine that. I know. That, and see, that, that's, 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 that's where I'm leading here. That's got to be one of the greatest college football teams to ever touch turf or ever, ever touch the field. Ever. Don't get me wrong. I respect what, what, what Miami had in the 2000s. i got to respect it because there's a lot of Hall of Famers. But for what we did for the year, okay, people, th- people think about the years building up to that. Like, it started before the year before Jimbo had got, got here. They, 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 they lost to Virginia Tech, and I think in the ACC championship, they had Tyrod Taylor, Virginia Tech beat then that next year they went to a, uh, 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 they went to I want to say they uh, was it the Orange Bowl, was it the Orange yeah, Bowl? Yeah, was it the Orange they Bowl? They went to the Orange Bowl, yeah, and they whooped up on uh, I think it was Northern Illinois. Yes, all right. It was a tra- it was a transition. You just went through a transition period where you seen it coming. Okay, one of the biggest recruiting classes that Florida State had was in two thousand eight. Nigel Bradham, EJ Manuel, Nigel Carr. Um, Vince, Vince, my brother Vince, Moses McCray. I mean, you had some real monsters. Along you had Jones, Jermaine Thompson. I mean, you you had dominant guys across the board coming in. Then that very next year, they go to I think they went to a Champs Bowl. My brother's freshman went to a Champs Bowl. But then you think, see the progress um, of bowls. You see the progress of bowls. The guys that come in the very next year, and what oh, 2009, you get what Gregory. The next year, you get Telvin Smith. Kenny Shaw, 2011, you get me, Nico Siri, Kelvin Benjamin, Rashad Green. You build that team into it. Like, just imagine if we had EJ just for one more year, though. EJ wasn't a, wasn't a terrible quarterback. Never lost the bowl thing. I don't I don't think EJ Manuel gets the appreciation that he deserves. No, he doesn't. He really, he really doesn't get the appreciation. They don't, they don't understand the work he put in to get to where he was. Like, he, he wasn't the first one I picked for no reason. I think people people forget that. People forget how many office coordinators he had, how unstable the organization was that he was working in. You know, there's no knock to them, but let's be let's be let's be realist. Like you can't you know, you can't expect the kid to come in there and just be this great creation if you're not gonna give him the support to be that great creation. No, uh, that was uh, one of my biggest gripes with Buffalo. They never really, uh, they never really gave EJ the pieces. I mean, they drafted Sammy oh. Watkins, but then he stayed on the injured reserve. I mean, Sammy's a Ferrari. Sammy's a Ferrari. My 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 brothers call me Ferrari all the time. He was like, like Lowe's, I'm built like a Chevy. I'm like, okay, cool, that's that's cool. Like you slow as hell. He's like, no, Lowe's, I'm built to last. I'm like, I'm just big. Like, like every time Lowe's used to get hit, used to get hurt growing up. I'm like, that's fine. 
not what he was talking about. A lot of athletes are built like Ferraris. I mean, you're built to be the speed and all this amazing stuff you can do, but if a gear shift goes out, your ass is grass. Like, you pump a tire one time, you're you're almost shot. You know, it's it's, it's like, I mean, when I was back on track, it's like, you know, we, nobody talks about the time where you've seen the development from where we started to win more games, go from six wins to eight wins to winning the ACC championship, then to winning another one. Then winning another one. Like, nobody ever talks about that growth period. You know, Bobby still had people really recruiting when Jimbo was on staff. Like, they really recruited. They were looking towards the future. Nobody really talks about that appreciation. They're stuck on the fact how Bobby was pushed out. Yes, that's terrible. But at the same time, y'all wanted the program to go win. You wanted the program to compete for that championship. And Jimbo did it how many years? It took him four years? Four? No, three. Yeah. Three years. It took three years. So I want to talk about Jimbo for a second. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but you were a highly recruited safety coming out of high school. Um, When you got to FSU, how did the transition to running back even come about? Crazy. I mean, one of my one of my best friends, James Wilder, um, (laughs) he got he got his shoulder nicked up. We were playing his pet. It's crazy, man. I had my first my firstborn was born the twenty third and we played September first. So like this is on the twenty third of August. September first we had to go to Pitt and play. It was crazy. Um my brother had just got drafted to Pitt. Like it was just it was crazy. A lot of emotions, it was crazy. Um but he got dinged up. Um and it was they they were talking about it the next week if he was gonna play or not. They decided to play him but they didn't want to play him as much. Um he was a, a central part of the offense. They didn't wanna they didn't know how long the move of whoever they were gonna move was going to last. I guess it was depending on how well that person performed that day. Um, so, I mean, it was between me and LaMarcus Joyner. I wasn't starting at the time. So, you know, I, I, me and Tyler Hunter had played bounce off each other um, as Jalen was getting himself in the groove because he was going to be a starter. I mean, he was – I mean – That became I, apparent. I, 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 I had pity for myself when, when Jalen came on campus. I mean, it, 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 it is what it is, but – you know, we battled in there. T Hunt was more consistent than me at the time, so I mean, I was the easier, I was the easier move piece to move. Um, so I, I went with no, with no battle. I mean, I told my parents, I told my family, I was like, "You're crazy, as hell. I said, "Who cares?" So I get the ball. I mean, and I think the rest is history. I scored my first touchdown on my first carry, and I, I think he decided his head. Well, he's not going back. He's a point is going back over there. That was a very, very special moment. And, dude, I don't know if you realize this, but you were running back. I'm sure you do, but you're running back. You just mentioned James Wilder Jr., Devontae Freeman, and in my opinion, with no disrespect to work done, Dalvin Cook, who is probably the best running back to ever go through Florida State. You, yeah. you managed. You played with all those guys, and you still managed to put up impressive numbers and get drafted to the NFL. I know that's got to make you proud. Man, you know what's crazy? It does make me proud. I look on it, and it makes me very proud. I got a chance to coach high school football this past year, and a lot of my kids are like, we can go Carlos Williams. Like, but who is that? I had not been playing ball. I wasn't working out. I wasn't really – I was working, but I wasn't working out. I was just kind of progressing with life after football. And it was like, well, I'm like, it's me. And it was like, well, you see Vince. It's slow. He talks to Ferrari, and he comes down sometimes. like, yellow Lambo. I'm like, yeah, that's my brother. It's not me. <laughs> so it's like, so I got but I get, they got a chance to really pick my brain, and they, I, and I see foot, like I said, I see football differently now. So I'm able to pass that knowledge um, of where I've been, how I got there, how I lost it, you know, 
um, that kind of journey of where I'm going to find myself, or do I want to continue to live life without football, or if I do have the opportunity, do I want to go grab it and make the most of it? You know, I, you know, you do have those times where I, where I want to play football, and there's been times where I was like, I don't know if I want to play football anymore, I'm, I'm going to move on without football. You know, I've had my time, and, and, and I guess my time is in my time period sometimes I feel like. So, so I, I was able to pass on along that knowledge, and that was, I mean, that's, that's the greatest feeling for me. I mean, when I do think about my success and where I've been and how I got there and being drafted, this is a part of the story I can tell younger men is going through that, getting prepared for it, and you just they can take bits and pieces of my story and apply it to their lives and hopefully help them progress their careers further than I did mine. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, so I've heard this before back when uh, we did the radio thing, but I wanna I wanna give you the opportunity to talk about it again. Um, your opinion on the Willie Taggart era at Florida State. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. It's upsetting for a whole number of reasons. One, because people are upset the way Jim Bowles left. I mean, I'm not mad at Jim the running back. I'm not mad at Jim Bowles. I got drafted in the fifth round. That has nothing to do with him. I was given an opportunity to make plays. I was given an opportunity to put to put my position to be drafted higher. I mean, I just didn't, I didn't do that. I mean, I don't think anybody could blame their coach unless they had a really significant issue that was, you know, navigated towards that person, you know, to, to hit them in a negative light. But I mean, I just I just think that they didn't pick the right the right person to, to, to follow behind what, what Jimbo had left. Like, yeah, we, we were in a, a swirl, but the talent we had on this roster, we should have never been that shit. Very sorry. We should have never been that bad. Oh, it's a podcast, so I don't have to bleep any of that out. Okay, very sorry. We should have never been that bad. 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 The amount of talent that we had on this roster, we should have never been that bad. Unacceptable. You know, I have to – I completely agree, man, because, I mean, it was hard to watch, especially like you said, and it's it, from a player perspective, it's that much more important to hear with all the talent that was on the roster. Cam Akers, who had everything it took to – I mean, in oh, my opinion, that, probably would have broken everything Cook Dalvin Cook did. That poor kid – that poor – no, you know who I feel for? You know who I really feel, who I'm really proud of? And I don't think he knows it. And I've seen him in person. We chat, we chopped it up a couple times in person. But I don't even think he understands how proud I am of him because I felt like him. And I don't think he ever had expressed it. He may have, but Jacqueline Patrick is a person I have a lot of respect for because that kid put in a situation where he was passed out. You got put in a situation where your offense goes to a spread and you're 225 to come back. You went from a system where, yeah, I'm going to run gun and offset, but I'm going to run trap and power downhill. I'm going to get in the one-back set in the eye and run downhill. I'm going to get in the two-back eye formation and run stretch downhill. You know, you went from that to running screens to a tight end, bubble passes. You got the tight ends lined up backwards. You 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 screwed this kid's future, but I'm so proud of him. Like, every time I've seen him, every time I got a chance to talk to him, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm so proud of him. I don't, you know, I'm so proud of him. He's a I was humble. I was I mean, to him, him being signed with the Bengals, that, that he deserves every piece of it. Like I, I, he deserves. I hope he doesn't. He show up for the first time he scores touchdown. Like I'm, I, I hope all the best for him. He deserves it. He got cheated so bad for me. It's, it's gotta. Um, 
it's got to feel good seeing that. It's like I'm glad you brought up Jacquez Patrick because he's going to be on one of my future podcasts. He he is literally the story that Carlos Williams can can live because he goes to the XFL. I think he I don't want to put out false information, but I'm pretty sure he led the XFL in rushing, got an NFL contract. I so I I I wouldn't doubt that from the truth. I mean, I've, I've watched him play. I know how he played it. I made sure I put him on TV and wanted to see him perform. And he ran the ball like he ran at Florida State, downhill, nose heavy, and you're gonna put the ball in the end zone. He runs with no mercy, and that and that's his style of football. I mean, I think Cincinnati picked him up. They're not stupid. Look at the backfield they have right now. Every back on that roster is from Oklahoma. They got one back from Florida State, and what is Mo? Does he fit? He fit just like Nixon, 6'3", 6'2", 225 pounds plus, and I'm going downhill. The Bengals are known for what? They want to do what? They want to have a power back that can run downhill and a back that can catch pass out the backfield. They got he it. He a chance to get on that roster and make plays. He, he, and I know he's going to bust his ass. He's a good kid. Absolutely, man. He really is. All right, so I sent you this one earlier to give you some time to work on it because I kind of felt like it would be unfair to just throw it right under the bus. But uh, – if I've never heard of Carlos Williams, what are two plays from your college or NFL career, either one, that I should go look up on YouTube to learn just who you are? Wow. If you don't know Carlos Williams and you're going to YouTube Carlos Williams, what two highlights would I have you look up? I, I could tell you my personal favorite was the fake punt from the national championship. I mean, we've talked that about that be- before, too. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great highlight. That, that's, that's, that's a great highlight. The clip is just short. I like to be on camera for a long since period of time. <laughs> if I'm going to be that vein, I might as well be that vein. Um, so I'm going to think about a nice clip. You know what? A really good clip would be – that's hard. You know what? In, in pro. Give me one in pro. Okay. My two tip. yeah. Yeah. My 41-yard touchdown – Week three versus Miami in Miami, my rookie year. Dude, the Dolphins are my team, so I don't really like talking about that one. Sorry. Right. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, oh, or my when I got a concussion playing the playing the Giants in week four, and I got my first my first start, and I got slammed on my neck, a touchdown into that game without knowing the play call or the play at all. That was pretty classic. That's pretty awesome. I remember or, you broke a. You broke a record, didn't you? For I think you were the first player to score in your first six games. Six consecutive games is pretty awesome. You know what I got to do? My mother had my very first touchdown ball. I scored um, preseason against the Panthers, and I jumped over the pile. I didn't even jump. I shouldn't even jump. I, it, it looks real bad. It looks re- that looks real bad on camera. That's really terrible footage. It was a terrible jump because halfway through the jump, I realized I shouldn't have jumped, and I just ran in. And then I like, looked real back, and, like, I just fell on somebody that rolled off. And then I got to the sideline, Coach Lynn. Hey, Lynn was like, hey, Ricky, why the hell did you jump? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that looked real bad. So I was like, yeah, that shit don't look good. That. It looked bad. Like, you should have did that. <laughs> All but right, man. My, so My mom has that ball. Oh. That's pretty cool. That is awesome. She'll keep that forever. Oh, yeah. All right, so the last thing I want to ask, um, and then I want to play a real quick game, and then I'll let you go. Um, the last, So the last thing I want to ask you is about, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you're currently on the CFL's Toronto Argonauts. You're supposed to be starting your preseason next week. So does it bum you out pretty badly that your first season back on the field in a long time is being delayed? 
my wife's laughing as 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 you ask that question because you know having we just recently moved, having to get situated, um, having this pandemic going on, having my job actually is just opened back up this past week, trying to get resituated, going back to work. You kind of want to get situated here before you have to leave and go be resituated somewhere else. So having the time to do so is cool. I mean, it's extra time to always get extra cardio in and make sure you're critiquing on the little things, this and that. So it's always good to do have that time. But just to make sure your foundation where you're living is solid before you go somewhere else. And this is my first time leaving the country, period. I mean, it's my first time traveling outside the United States. So, you know, and I'm going to be there by myself. So, you know, it's something that I'll be, like, we discussed and talked about, but it's just different. You know, it's something we've never experienced before. So you just having this extra time to make sure that we get things done situated here when this pandemic is over, you know, getting the kids in school and stuff like that on a routine, everybody's situated is something that we're just taking advantage of. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that you're making the most of a of a pretty rough situation. But I mean, I'm glad it's working out for you. So, all right, we're yeah. going to play a real quick game. Uh, obviously you saw like my last name's right and all this good mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm playing on the words pretty good. So this game is called right on time. Sometimes late to the party, but always right on time. So I have seven questions. I'm going to put one minute on the clock. I'm going to huh? read off these questions and they're pretty simple. Uh, I just want you to answer them in five minutes, five words or less. Batman. All right, here we go. Number one, your favorite superhero. Batman. Batman. All right. Your favorite TV show? That 70s show. All right. Randy Moss or Jerry Rice? Randy Moss. Easy one. Your favorite stadium food? Nachos, jalapeno. Makes you think a little bit. Kevin Durant or LeBron James? <laughs> I hate Kevin Durant. LeBron James. Can't stand Kevin Durant in his hairline. <laughs> All right. And the position you didn't play that you always wanted to? I would want to be a holder. A holder? <laughs> a holder? Did you just drop holder no. on me? Okay, okay. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um, uh, one position. Now, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I've played every position. One position I wanted to play. You know what? I always want to play. No, I'm not gonna lie. I always want to play tackle. I always like to mimic the kick step drill you see in the combine. <laughs> like real, the real hard kick step they do. It looks pretty cool how they bend their knees like that. Like, you know, some offensive linemen are built like spare parts. <laughs> now, you get what I mean? Like, they have yeah. super, like, two and big upper bodies built like a chicken drumstick. Everywhere, they built like a snow cone everywhere. You see how they, they, they kick step and they drag their legs back? It's pretty funny. So one day I was in the room when I was doing it to my brother, just punched him in the chest, and he started laughing. I said, it's pretty cool, ain't it? I could be a tackle. And he just started laughing at me. Like, he just never entertained it. But I, I got pretty good at it. And it works when you're on pump box too. When you're like you're a wing, it does. I do kick kick step like a tackle. I got good at it. I start on free awesome. arm inside, punch via the neck. That's how you. That's how you don't punt on pump section. <laughs> well, hey man, I appreciate you giving me your time. Uh, I'm gonna let you get back to your family time, and I'm gonna get this thing cut up, and it'll be launched on Monday. Sounds like a plan. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, bro. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. We will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode, and we're going to get better as we go. We'll see you next time on the Ride On Sports Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. We will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode, and we're going to get better as we go. We'll see you next time on the Ride On Sports Podcast.